think one thing that's important is that, you know, obviously I've, I've been really fortunate um, in the support that I've had and particularly from the prime minister who, you know, has really made it, um, you know, a, a priority to make sure that I can not only do this, but I can be successful um, as well, which I, I think is, is really important. Oftentimes we, we talk about, you know, um, women needing to do more or what can we do to encourage women to do these things but actually it's um, a change in culture and leadership that I think is most needed Um, and I think the Prime Minister has really kind of you know just led that initiative so much within our government that um, I'm I I just need to mention that because I think that it really does start at the top and and it's important to have a supportive environment to be able to do what what I am doing right now. Um, And then the other thing too is that uh, sometimes people say to me like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing all of this. Like I would never be able to. And I think my response to them is that, you know, they probably would be able to, but um, I hope that they don't have to because I want them to be able to make the choices that are right for them. And I also want to ensure that, you know, uh, that there are appropriate maternity leave policies in place, um, regardless of what profession you're doing, because I think it is really important. But ultimately, we need to ensure that we're supporting women in the choices that they're making, however long or short they want that maternity leave to be. So my name is Karina Gould. I am the Member of Parliament for Burlington. I am the Minister of Democratic Institutions, and I am the mom to Oliver. And when did you, when did you give birth to Oliver? March 8th, 2018. He was due on March 3rd and he said, I have a feeling my mom is a feminist and so I need to make sure that I come on International Women's Day. That's amazing. I love that he came on International Women's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I went into labor at like 1230 on March 8th, so it was very funny. (laughs) Tell me what was, what was, this is your first, uh, your first baby, right? Yeah. So what was the, what was your birth story like? Um, you know, you, you told me at 12.30, was it 12.30 p.m. that you went into labor? 12.30 a.m. Okay, um, yeah, right on March 8th. Yeah, yeah so my, um, it's funny because I, I thought I was in labor, and I was probably in early labor um, the, the previous day. So on uh, that was the Thursday that he was born. So on Wednesday morning, I woke up at 3 a.m., and, I thought, oh my gosh, it's starting. I'm having uh, contractions and I started timing them and I couldn't sleep and all of this stuff. And I called my midwife at six in the morning on uh, Wednesday, March 7th. And she said, oh, um, have you slept at all? I said, no. And she said, okay, how about you take your gravel and go back to sleep and call me when you wake up and we'll see where you are. So clearly she could tell by my voice that I wasn't really (laughs) in labor yet. And so I woke up, I don't know, around noon or something. And uh, I was fine. And I was all kind of upset because I thought this was the moment and, you know, it, it wasn't happening yet. And, you know, I was just waiting for, for the baby to come. And uh, so I went to bed again. And as soon as my husband, I think, put his head on the pillow, um, I woke up in what I realized was like real, actual labor. Um, and we started timing our contractions. Uh, and I called my midwife and had to get her to hold because I was going through a contraction. And so she said, don't worry, I'll be there in 30 minutes. <laughs> so, 
so she came over to the house and and um, I labored at home until about five in the morning when I said I wanted to go to the hospital. And I think we got to the hospital at 6 a.m. And I'm really fortunate because I live about a five minute drive away from the hospital. And I had two contractions in the car. Um, and I don't know how. Uh, and I marvel at the fact uh, that there are women who have to travel longer while they're in active labor in a car. Um, and, uh, I thought that was bad enough. <laughs> and then I think I had two or three contractions walking from the parking lot to the birth unit. Um, and I was really grateful that it was six in the morning because there weren't a lot of people in the hospital. So that was good. Um, yeah. And then I started pushing, I think around 8am and he was born at 9.32 in the morning. You sounded like you had a really good birth experience yeah. for your first one. I had, you know, I, I had a, I had a great birth experience. Um, of course, like all labors, like no one tells you you're going to throw up and <laughs> like a whole bunch of other things that you're kind of surprised about. But, you know, um, the best advice I got from my midwife was to just go with the flow, not try to fight anything and just let it happen. And um, I, I don't know, I, I, I felt like I was in really good hands and I was really comfortable with uh, my midwives and my husband was an amazing coach and support. Um, I was a little worried because every time I asked him for a massage leading up to going into labor, he said no. So I was like, oh no, what's going to happen in the actual labor? But um, he was, yeah, he was like amazing the entire time uh, when called to action. So it was, it was good. And then, you know, like, like everything, you kind of you kind of forget about it as soon as as soon as the baby is born, right? And placed in your arms. And um, the you know I um, I had to have uh, an episiotomy at the end because um, the pushing was going okay, but the but Oliver's heart rate started to drop, and so um, they they gave me an episiotomy, and they were debating whether or not they were going to use forceps um, or the vacuum. Um, and, uh, they gave me a physiotomy and I remember my midwife saying to me, like, this is, this is a baby on your chest push. Um, and I gave it all my might and out he came and yeah, and you kind of forget about everything else because you've got this awesome little person that you created and gave life to. What was it like to hold him for the first time? Oh, it, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just so amazing I mean I felt I, I felt quite powerful I felt like oh my gosh like I can't believe I did this <laughs> even though I couldn't move um, at that point afterwards but I felt like wow I really like I really accomplished something like monumental and like quite magical um, and it was just unreal and he was, um, he still is to this day, but like he, he was born and he was so alert. Like he looked right at me, right in my eyes um, and was very like present in, um, in his own, I think, birth experience as well. Um, and he is, that's what he's like. He's just, he's an extraordinarily focused, engaged little person. He's nine months, he'll be nine months old on Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just so incredible and, and wonderful and awesome. Mm-hmm. You had him nine months in your in your womb, and now he's been nine months out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is I I love what you said about um, 
you know, you felt like you did something really monumental. And this, this is the thing about, um, about birth. Like it, it happens every day, you know, and we don't really think of it, but actually it's, it's absolutely a miracle and amazing that it, it, we can, we are able to do that. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's why I think it's so great that you do this podcast and we talk about it because, um, we don't really talk about it that much um, until, you know, and, and I, I remember at my baby shower, people were kind of like, oh, you know, here's, here's some things you should get ready for, you know, in the lead up to the birth. And I remember feeling really confident about going into labor until about two weeks before I was due and then getting really nervous um, and worried about it uh, because it was, it was, coming up and and it seemed like quite a, a scary thing and I mean admit, in many ways it is right I mean it, until very recently and still in many places around the world it's the most dangerous moment in both mother and child's life right um and we're so fortunate here in Canada that um we've managed to overcome a lot of that danger even though it, it's still present and 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 whatnot but um it's it's really important to, to talk about these things. And I actually, my, my midwife gave me um, Eda May's book uh, about different birth stories. And so for like, I don't know, the week before I was due, I just read, I don't know, like 60 different birth stories to kind of understand what I was getting prepared for, but also to recognize that like, even if something bad happens, I will probably be okay. And my baby will probably be okay because we're so lucky to live in this country and to have all of the amazing support that we do. Um, and I don't know, I, I like to do my research, I guess, and know what I'm getting myself into. And, and even then you, you can't really prepare. You just have to go with it and accept the, the journey that's coming. Which is probably why you make such a good MP because it's probably similar in some ways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You honestly, I you cannot prepare for being a member of parliament because it's uh, it's so different than any other uh, job out there, um, and you do have to go with the flow and be prepared to uh, change at any moment, but also to to work hard and buckle down when when the time comes. So yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Tell me about that first week that you had Oliver and then what it was like for you to get back to work and, you know, how that felt. Well, you know, it's so funny because um, being a member of parliament, you work all the time. Like you just don't stop working. Um, and I would say that, like, here's, like it's, it's funny because after I gave birth, I was on this, like, huge adrenal- adrenaline rush. Like, I had so much energy, even though, like, again, I couldn't move, but I was, like, all jazzed up and, like, you know, really excited. And, um, you know, Oliver is like sleeping in my arms and I'm on my Blackberry, like sending, you know, pictures and final directions to my staff about like, you know, what's going on. And I remember it was funny, like when I went to the hospital and in the car, like, you know, sending a note to my chief of staff being like, all right, going into labor, you should probably let the prime minister know so that, you know, they can (laughs) put my acting minister on now. And like all of these kind of funny things that like, I don't know, most people wouldn't do, I guess. Um, and, you know, Oliver is like sleeping, just bored in my arms and I'm on my Blackberry, just, you know, trying to wrap up a few final things. And the first week was, it was really, um, it was, it was hard because I had to wind down from work um, 
in a way that I hadn't in three years and also look and be like, I have this completely new, different responsibility uh, that I have to care for and take care of and to change that mindset. And I only took um, about uh, four weeks, like not even really completely off, but off, off, I guess. Um, And then I started going back to community events and going back into the constituency office. And I was in touch with my staff the whole time. There, There were maybe only like five days that I I didn't talk to my staff at all, I think, at all. Um, And I was back um, at work in Ottawa after 10 weeks. Um, And so it was, uh, I I don't really know what it's like to take um, a maternity leave, but I'm really glad that most Canadian women have that opportunity. And I think it's really important that, um, they do get that. And it was easier when Oliver was smaller in a sense, because when they're little, they, you know, they sleep, they cuddle, you can kind of put them in the carrier and they'll, they'll hang out and that's okay. But as he got older is when it got trickier because, um, you know, he needed more attention and, um, and he needed to be more active, right? And so I think that it was that transition around like five or six months that uh, was was actually a bit more difficult for me because it meant that um, I needed to get additional care for him because I couldn't, I realized I couldn't like work and care for him at the same time uh, as I was doing previously. Being a, a, a working parent, especially with a, a very young child, we're not talking about two or three, but we're talking about a couple of months here, how, what was that like for you to, um, were there any challenges around childcare or, you know, what was the support like for you and how did you get that support? Yeah, so I am, um, I'm really fortunate in that my husband um, decided that he would, he would be the primary caregiver. Um, but this was also kind of unchartered territory um, to see how we would, how we would manage it and figure it out. And, um, you know, at first I just brought Oliver with me all the time. So to the office, to meetings, into the house, wherever it was, he was with me because he was little and he was nursing and really he was just happiest, you know, in my arms or, or in a sling or whatever the case may be. Um, but at the same time, I still had to kind of overcome um, these ideas that I had about, um, how other people would react um, because you don't normally see babies in the workplace and um, you don't normally see babies on Parliament Hill and I have a couple of colleagues that have babies but um, it does still feel weird. Um, at, well, at first it felt really weird to push a stroller around the halls of Parliament or to have a baby in a meeting um, and to try and you know figure out how to navigate that but then you know, I just kind of had to be like, well, whatever, I've got two jobs to do, um, one of which is caring for my child and one of which is, you know, being a member of parliament and a minister. And this is how I'm going to have to be able to do it. And people are going to have to adjust around me because I think sometimes um, as young moms, uh, we try to conform to what other people expect of us or what other people, um, you know, have kind of 
envisioned as the way that you need to do things. And uh, that puts a lot of pressure, I think, on new moms. Um, but at the same time, I just kind of had to say, you know what, I can't worry about it because this is what I have to do. Um, and I'm, I'm not really willing to compromise um, the care of my child or his well-being. And so I just plowed through. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there's two things that I think are, are really amazing. I think one, that your your partner wants it wants to be the primary caregiver and is. I mean, that's that's just um, still, it's it's getting more common, but it's still, uh, sorry, it's, it's getting to be there that where more men might take on more of the role, but it, it's still not as common as we'd like it. Um, so that's really great. And the second is um, the fact that you had that courage to really be, um, I mean, maybe it's a, it's an intense word, but almost like a, to be kind of revolutionized that as a, as a, as a young minister, right? Like I, I can't think, I mean, were, have there ever been other circumstances that we know of, of MPs, um, breastfeeding in the House of Commons? So there have been, yeah. Um, there, there was definitely in the last parliament and it made headlines because the then Speaker of the House actually asked the member to leave the House and then that um, created quite a controversy. Um, and uh, when I got elected, I remember asking all of the MPs who put their name forward for Speaker what they thought about breastfeeding in the House. And I think they all did backflips to say to me that they were very supportive of breastfeeding and whatever. <laughs> um, so, it's, um, so it has happened. But um, I'm definitely, I'm the first person on the government side and I'm the first person in the government uh, as a minister to, to do it. But that's a really funny story, actually, because um, like I had been breastfeeding Oliver in the house for like six weeks at that point when it made inter when it made headlines. Um, and it was like such a non thing. And then all of a sudden someone, I think got it like a screenshot of it and tweeted it. And then it became this really big, um, this really big deal, which, um, was kind of funny because it had like just been going on to like, and no one noticed or talked about it or cared and it was fine. And everyone was doing their work, no problem. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it really did such a service for the public to see that. I mean, even if it was an offhand, you know, Twitter photo, um, cause it, cause there's so many women who, um, are in precarious work and, you know, won't have, don't have that ability to be able to do it at their workplace. And for that to be seen by our leaders of government I mean it gives such courage I think for where we're heading right so I think that was really it's really it's it's great I think a lot of people look up to you as a as a feminist so <laughs> <laughs> well and and you know what like it's hard to believe that in 2018 people are still being criticized for breastfeeding or that there's there's so much like you know um there, there's so many products to like cover up breastfeeding and I mean, I, I'm not going to criticize anyone who, who uses those products. I mean, that's like everyone needs to make their own decision as to their level of comfort and, um, you know, doing what they're doing and making their own choices. But like, I, you know, I feel like I have so many things that I need to think about all day long that I don't have time to think about, like, do I have a breastfeeding cover with me? Um, 
in that moment, it's just like, you know what, <laughs> my baby is hungry, he needs to eat. And I like, if, some, if this makes someone uncomfortable, like, it's not really my problem. <laughs> so, you, so you told me you had midwives. What was that? What was that like for you? Oh, I adore midwives. I absolutely adore them. It was so great because, and it, it probably made this whole experience positive and possible because um, they were so flexible around my schedule and so willing to accommodate um, me like they would, because often I was, um, I'm out of town Monday to Friday. And so they would come see me between house visits on Saturdays. Um, They were just amazing. And what I loved the most about them is that they, they didn't just look at me as a, as a patient and as a, as a body, but as like a human being who's multidimensional and, um, they were just so unbelievably supportive and um, holistic in their approach. And um, I, I developed a really good friendship with them. And um, I, uh, I joked with my midwife after the, you know, the last visit after six weeks. And I said, well, I'm just going to have to get pregnant again because I want to keep seeing you. <laughs> but uh, there's no plans in the near future for that but. But they, yeah, but they were just like really, really fantastic. And, you know, as I said at the outset, like the um, the thing that I was just like most amazed by and continue to marvel at was this community of um, primarily women, some men too, but primarily women that just, you know, embrace you and envelope their arms around you as you go into giving birth. Um, you know, have your baby and, and the postnatal care. And I just thought they were, I can't speak highly enough. Really, really happy that you were able to talk with us. And um, and uh, I wish you all, you and Oliver and your partner the best. Gosh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to, to share, um, to share my story. We need to, we need to be supportive and encouraging of, um, of ourselves as women and mothers because there are a lot of critics out there and so we need to make sure that we uh that we we share that that love and encouragement (laughs) 